Hello and welcome to the Career Changers podcast. I'm Elisa Martinic and I'm the founder and editor-in-chief of the Career Changers. I'm definitely one of them. I learned from my experience that following our dreams requires courage, self-awareness and a lot of inner work. I love to discover stories of career change and share them with the world as a source of inspiration for all those who are still searching. Career changes are not a straightforward chronology written in our CVs, but the sum up of our dreams, ambitions, failures and successes. The Career Changers is an online community that aims to inspire thousands of people during their journey to self-realization. We discover and share inspirational real-life stories of career change. We inspire people that are thinking to change career. We support people that want or need to change career, but feel stuck or lacking confidence and clarity. We connect and collaborate with organizations that support career change across different industries. I believe that thinking to have only one job or career in our life is a limiting belief, unless the job or that career make us happy. Life is a journey, and with one third of our lives spent working, it would be unimaginable to not have a desire to explore new avenues. Welcome to the Career Changers podcast. Hello and welcome to the Career Changers. Our guest today is Joe O'Connor, director and co-founder of the Work Time Reduction Center, ex-CEO of Four Day Week Global, and founder of the Four Day Week Ireland, and also a career changer. Today, Joe is going to talk about his career and how the Four Days Working Week can make the world a better place. Hi, Joe. Thank you so much for joining us. Hi, Elisa. Pleasure to be here. Nice for me to meet you. Um, so let's start from uh, your background. How did you start your professional life? Or better, what was your first job? Well, I'm not sure that I would count it as being part of my professional life, but my, my very first job was working in a local shop and bar in, in rural Ireland. Um, I came from not a particularly well-off background. My father was a fish supplier. My mother was a social worker. She had to um, she had to stop working when I was young due to due to health reasons. So yeah, um, before I, I I went to college, I started work kind of stacking shelves in this local shop. Um, you know, eventually started working on the on the till and on the counter. Um, but I guess my my professional career really started for real. Um, at the end of college, when I was elected as the president of the Students' Union, and I spent a number of years in student politics and in the student movement. So what was your dream job when you were a child? Well, I don't know if there was one. You know, I think like lots of, of kids, I probably went through lots of different phases and different ideas. I was very into sports, so it's it's likely that I probably thought... I was going to be the manager or the head coach of some sort of a sports team at some point. Um, so, yeah, I, I think like a lot of people had a lot of different ideas. And really, it was when I when I got to college um, that I started to really form my my views on the world and really started to to get a clearer sense of, of where I wanted to go. You mentioned college a few times. What is your educational background? 
So um, I went to college in Galway. I started out studying an honours degree in accountancy. Um, I'm not going to lie, I didn't love it, you know. Um, I, I probably, you know, like a lot of people at that age, wasn't sure what my career path was going to be. Um, I picked that degree, if I'm being honest, partly because I had friends going to that college, I had friends going to that city. Um, so it was good to be able to say I had a background in finance, but I knew I knew probably midway through that course that I didn't want a career as an accountant. I didn't want to spend my life doing that. Um, I then went on to do a master's in business strategy and innovation management, which I enjoyed much more and which was much closer to you know, the kind of direction that my career has taken since then. So you had an impressive career um, since you left college. Uh, what have been the highlights of your career? I mean, I, I think one of the big highlights would have to be just in the last year, um, you know, leading the, the design and the coordination of the global four-day week trials, which have seen hundreds of companies and thousands of employees move to shorter work weeks. Um, you know, it's something that I think has had a very um, real and practical benefit on the lives of a lot of different people, which I think is the kind of thing that really excites me and motivates me about work. Um, and certainly throughout my career, going back to when I was working um, for a public sector union as the head of campaigns in Ireland, we, uh, we won a, a major campaign, which meant that school secretaries, school administrators who were on very low salaries, no pension entitlements, very little employment benefits in their role, despite, despite being a very valued member of the school community, uh, we were successful in, in achieving a result which meant that um, they had a much better um, standard of living, much better job security. Um, so, you know, it, it's always things like that, that you can almost see, you know, remember the stories of the people that were impacted um, that, that really stick with me. So you started to get involved with the concept of the four days working week many years ago uh, in Ireland. How and when did you discover this idea for the first time? It was back in 2018. Um, I was doing some research on the whole area of working time and working hours because um, the public sector representative body that I worked for at the time had just seen an increase in hours um, introduced as part of a government agreement um, for workers in the Irish public service. And I was starting to, to look at and learn about the, the very first trials that took place of the four-day week. Um, there was a, a number of care homes in Gothenburg in Sweden. There was a municipal government um, in Denmark. And then there was also Perpetual Guardian, the, uh, the trust company in New Zealand that introduced this back in 2018. So I could see that, you know, this was something where other organizations and in other countries, there was starting to be this conversation about moving in a different direction around, you know, focusing more on results and on output rather than on the number of hours that are worked. Um, we did a major survey of, of, uh, of our membership in Ireland. And one of the things that, that really has carried with me um, since then is the amount of working parents, predominantly women, who talked about how they had moved to reduce our schedules Many of them were already working four-day weeks, but they were doing it for less pay. They were doing it for, let's say, 80% salary. But yet their experience was that their responsibilities in the job, their expectations were the same as they were when they were working a five-day week. So that really told me that, you know, 
being able to move to reduce working time across an organization or across society could make a huge impact in terms of gender equality. But it also told me that that this idea that we talk about now in our work, Parkinson's law, really holds true. And Parkinson's law means that a task will expand to fill the time that's available for its completion. And I think that that really those results that we were seeing all the way back then in, in 2018 in Ireland were really telling us that there was something in that idea. So what has been the evolution of the four days working week through all the years? I think that, you know, back then in 2018, 2019, when I first became active on this subject was really when, you know, the four day week as an idea has been around for decades, but it was really when the conversation was starting to, 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 to grow and gather a little bit of momentum, but it was still very much a conversation. It was still very much a philosophical discussion and debate, talking about what the benefits of this might be. And I think what's really changed is that we're no longer having a philosophical discussion. We're having a very practical discussion. This is something that you rarely hear people say now that this is a, a pie in the sky idea that can't work for businesses because there's enough evidence now and there's enough examples of businesses who have done this, who have made this a success that, that really demonstrates that this can work. This can work and it has worked for many businesses. And the question has now moved on to, you know, really a logistical operational discussion around how could this work for my specific business, given our specific context, circumstances and needs. So I think that's been the, the big evolution of the four day week over the years. And of course, the pandemic was was the big game changer in that, you know, the impact of the pandemic on how we think about work, um, it, it really uprooted and dislodged a lot of these very deeply held cultural and societal norms around the five-day week and around the eight-hour day that really before the pandemic many of us thought that this was something that was just going to be here forever whereas now I think you know the kind of change that we've seen um, has led to people being much more questionable about questioning around you know is there a different way and is there a better way to do things. So the conversation about the four-day work week is all over the world. Um, you are now a part of a partnership between the Work Time Reduction Center of Excellence and the leading people first transformation company, Curium Solutions. How did you develop this partnership? So I first met Andy Dawson from Curium Solutions at a conference about the four-day working week in Valencia early last year. Um, and we had been, during my time at Four Day Week Global, we had been collaborating with them a little bit on the pilot program that we were running. Uh, and really this partnership came about as a result of my own insights and my own you know, vision for where I thought the Shorter Working Week movement was heading and where it could go with the right infrastructure and with the right support. And it was very clear to me that more and more leaders from bigger, more complex organizations we're growing interested in this idea. Um, we were having more and more conversations with people um, you know, who wanted to move in the direction of a four-day working week, but they required you know, much more hands-on support. Um, you know, th these are the kinds of organizations where, because they've got lots of different departments, lots of different functions, lots of different locations, being able to provide you know, a, a, really, um, a, a really involved support model was something that they needed. And Curium Solutions had a lot of experience and expertise in 
big change projects with large companies, in operational excellence projects where they worked with companies to figure out, okay, where is the inefficiency? Where is the waste? Where is the unlocked potential within the company? And obviously, you know, finding those um, changes in work practices is exactly the kinds of solutions that companies that want to move, work to move to a shorter working week need to find. So that was really the inspiration behind why, you know, I certainly felt that combining the experience I had and, and other people in the shorter working week world had in kind of designing these trials and implementing these trials with their experience for bigger change projects was going to be a really important um, partnership in terms of what the shorter working week movement needed to really grow. During the years, uh, have you found, and I guess so, uh, any resistance about a shorter working week? And what are the most common objections? And also, how do you respond to that? The most common objection, um, you know, is, 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 is often around the idea that, you know, this specific application of the four-day week won't work in this specific circumstance. And sometimes this is kind of mis almost mischievously characterized by people who just are against the idea. You know, they will, th there are people who have got old school traditional views around work and, you know, hard work and, you know, what we call here in, in North America, hustle culture, that they're never going to be won over to the four-day week until they're forced to do so, until all of their competitors are doing it and now they need to follow. They're not going to be the leaders and they're not going to be the pioneers. So often they would say, you know, the four-day week, Monday to Thursday, won't work in this specific sector. But often they're pointing to sectors that don't currently work a five-day nine-to-five. So nobody is arguing that they should all of a sudden move to a four-day nine-to-five. We absolutely acknowledge that there will need to be different versions of work time reduction, different models of work time reduction to accommodate different industries and different organization types. But we we, we do believe that the four-day week can and will become the new normal, that it will replace the five-day week as the kind of prevailing structure uh, across the economy within the next decade. And the other thing is, you know, when you talk about this idea of everyone having Friday off or, you know, Thursdays are the new Friday, Less than half of the companies that took part in last year's four-day week global trials adopted a model of the four-day week, which meant that everyone had Friday off. This is not a one-size-fits-all model. That will work for some companies, but for other companies, this is about developing rosters and schedules to make sure that you can maintain service coverage right the way through the work week. So this is not a rigid idea. This is a flexible idea. What are the benefits of a shorter working week for the employers? I think that the primary things that attract leaders and organizations to the shorter working week, well, back when I started talking about this a number of years ago, it was one of two things. They were either trying to address a productivity issue in their workplace, and they were using the four-day week as a lever or as an incentive to address you know, productivity concerns. Because as we know, in most organizations, there's a very close correlation between employee engagement and productivity. So in other words, if the four-day week can really help us to increase employee engagement, then it can potentially help us to become more productive and more efficient at work. The second area was to address burnout issues. 
So in companies or organizations that had significant challenges with burnout, with overwork, you know, employee stress, um, sick leave, you know, people not being at their best at work um, because they were they were um, working too many long hours. Um, that was another big motivator. Both of those things are still important, but they've actually now been overtaken in the last couple of years or so by talent attraction as the single biggest reason. The number one reason why leaders come to me now is because they see the opportunity that if they can pull this off, if they can achieve the same kind of results that other organizations have that have moved to the four-day work week, then they give themselves a really significant edge when it comes to recruitment and retention. A couple of examples for you, Atom Bank, a, a company in the UK that moved to a four-day week, they saw an increase in applications for open job posts of 50% after they moved to a four-day working week. Another company in the US, HealthWise, moved to a four-day week last August 2021, and they did it because they had a huge issue with employee turnover. They were losing a lot of key people. They couldn't compete on salary. They moved to a four-day week, and all of a sudden, their employee attrition pretty much reduced to zero. What are the benefits of a shorter working week for the workforce instead, <laughs> apart the obvious one? <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, let's not overlook the obvious one. The obvious one is that this is something that genuinely changes lives. You know, the people who talk about their experience of moving to four-day weeks, whether it's because they get to spend more time caring for an elderly relative, picking up their kids from school, you know, learning a new skill or spending time on a hobby that they maybe previously didn't have time. You know, it is genuinely transformative for people at an individual level. Um, and then I think beyond that, there are potentially wider ranging benefits, as I mentioned earlier, in respect of gender equality um, and also broader societal benefits when you talk about the impact that this could have on the environment if you were to compound this across the economy. How can a company join a pilot project? Well, if a company is interested in exploring the idea of a shorter work week, um, one of the first steps is we have a free online assessment tool on our website, worktimereduction.com, that they can fill out, which helps us give a sense of how ready that organization might be to move to a shorter working week. But regardless of your starting point, whether you have an ambition to move to a four-day week at some point down the line, but you're not quite ready in terms of your culture or your processes or your operations, or whether you need help with um, implementing a shorter work week, I would encourage anyone that's listening to reach out to us and we'd be happy to help get them started in terms of exploring this, having the conversation, you know, seeing how, how feasible it might be for their business. I can guarantee you, you know, having worked in this area for a number of years, there is not a question and there is not a kind of a, you know, a, a challenge that we haven't encountered yet. Um, and there's also not an industry where we haven't seen companies do this and make a success of it. What are the resources available to discover more about what you do if someone wants to look online or find more information? So I mentioned our website. You can also find us on LinkedIn, the Worktime Reduction Center of Excellence. You can reach out directly to me, joe at worktimereduction.com, and I can talk to you a little bit about the ways that we can help. Um, we normally start with a diagnostic which really assesses the organization across a whole range of different lenses to look at, you know, 
how ready are you to move to a shorter work week? And if you do so, what are the main challenges that would need to be addressed in the design and in the planning phase of the trial or of the transition um, that we could potentially support you with? Um, so this is something that that you know we strongly believe that any organization that has the ambition, you know, that 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 really wants to to show leadership on this, um, there is a version of work time reduction that can work for you in your business and that can potentially deliver really long lasting benefits for your organization and for your people. Each of us with our choices can have a positive impact on the world. How do you feel the implementation of produced working hours can make the world a better place? Or how are you making the world a better place? Well, I think we're making the world a better place because of the impact that this has on people and, and because of you know the stories that we're hearing from the difference that this is making. I think we're having an impact on company culture. I think that you know, the reality is that we've been working largely in the same way in terms of our structure of the work week for a century now. And we've seen so many different changes, globalization, the advent of email, the internet, digital communications, but yet we still work roughly on average the same work week as we did back when this was a mostly manufacturing industrial economy. So I certainly believe that the four-day week for a lot of organizations and for a lot of industries, it's already here. It's just buried under the rubble of outdated practices, inefficient processes, overlong meetings, distractions, and other, other time wasted. And I think if, if organizations get serious about addressing those issues, then actually offering a four-day week to their people and, and the huge benefits that that could bring is really well within reach. Um, I think that's something that, that absolutely could make a huge difference. Um, and as I said, moving to a four-day week potentially could also have a significant impact in our defining challenge of the 21st century when it comes to climate change. You know, there's lots of research that links levels of, 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 uh, of working hours with carbon emission levels very closely, that there's a very close correlation and a link between the two. But it's not just about the company level impact when it comes to commuting, energy use in buildings. It's also the individual impact. It's the reality that when we're overworked and when we work long hours, we are less likely to be able to make sustainable behavioral choices. We are more likely to choose to drive instead of getting public transport. We're more likely to order the McDonald's instead of cooking a healthy home-cooked meal. And we're also less likely to be able to engage with the challenge and that the changes that we need to make as individuals you know, as our as a community, as a society, if we're going to actually, um, you know, turn the tide when it comes to climate change. So I really believe that if we can change the mindset of how people work to, to a way where we're focused on how can we deliver the same results and the same output with fewer and with more efficient inputs, then that really gets to the heart of sustainability and efficiency in the workplace. And I think if we can do that at scale, then we can also start to move in the direction of becoming more sustainable and becoming more efficient in terms of how we behave in our lives outside of work too. So we're reaching the end of this episode, but we have still a few more questions. What advice would you give to any employees trying to convince their boss to trial a shorted working week? I would say to them to 
engage, you know, meet their employer where they're at, you know, that most people working for a company know the concerns that their leadership or their executive team are likely to have. It's going to be about things like customer service standards. It's going to be about things like how can we maintain the same level of productivity? Will we have to compromise on our priorities? Will performance be impacted? And I think really meeting employers where they're at and saying, we're open to doing this as a trial. We're open to be measured on the impact. And we believe that collectively, we can come up with the ideas, the solutions, the changes to work practices that can make sure that this is something that's sustainable and sustain and successful for the business and not just for, for individuals. So I think really approaching it from the point of view of accountability and collective responsibility for a lot of leaders will, will give them the sense that this might be something we might be able to make work given the approach and the attitude that our people are taking to this. And now the last question that we asked to all our guests, if you could give yourself a piece of advice, what would you say to your younger self? I don't know. I mean, I would say that, you know, my my career and my life has taken a lot of different turns and um, turns that I probably could never have predicted six months before they happened, never mind 20 years ago. So I, I think most people, when they get to, to my stage uh, in, in my career or, or later, would say the things that you think are really important um, you know, back then often turn out to be things that in the rearview mirror maybe weren't so much. So I think taking that longer view, I think really focusing on personal development, critical thinking, really focusing on you know, becoming a more well-rounded um, person um, will likely lead to you becoming a more well-rounded professional when that time comes. Being open to change, being open to different ideas, um, and, and kind of you know don't conform to the structure and to the box that maybe is being constructed around you when you're 10, 14, 16, 18, because you know you you, you will look back and you will say, why did I think that was so important um, in, in the future? I mean, now more than ever, because we're, the world is changing, the world of work is changing at a pace, you know, that, that, that really is impossible to keep up with. All you can do is prepare yourself to be able to respond to change. You can't predict it. And the things that, you know, that you, that the things that is the truth and is the most important thing in 2023, almost certainly in 2033 will be something totally different. So the best you can do is just put yourself in the best position to succeed in an ever-changing world. Well, thank you, Joe, uh, for joining us today and sharing your inspirational story and wisdom with our listeners. Thank you, Elisa. <laughs> I enjoyed it. A last message for our listeners. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel and tune in next week for a new inspirational episode of The Career Changes. Thank you. <laughs>